to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast, season 15, episode two. Good to be with you. We've got a full house. We've got our special guest, Scott Rose, joining us. Welcome back, Scott. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Always good to have Scott with us. And as always, Camille and Ali, welcome. Yay. Hello. Good to have you. Very good. Let's go through what we're going to be talking about today. We always um, do four different segments to keep you up to date on what's going on in the Airtable world, make you a better Airtable user. We always start with our round the bases to see what people are talking about and any new updates. Then we'll do a spotlight on on Air, our primary sponsor. And then Scott will be showing us how to use make.com for importing and exporting of your data as CSV data. And then uh, Camille will be going through some new fun changes with interfaces and detail pages. And then a quick shout out to our community and how you can join. And then finally, Scott will do a spotlight on an app and his first impressions in using NoLoco. Okay, with that, around the bases, a um, couple things, a couple interesting things. We'll, we'll start with this one. We'll give a teaser because um, this is what, what Camille's going to walk us through, the, the changes and whatnot. But there was a big change with the interfaces and how they deal with stuff. So maybe save your tomatoes for uh, when we get into that segment with Camille if, you, if you're not a fan of the changes. I know there was a lot of pushback, but any high-level stuff before we get into the, into the weeds with Camille? Uh, I'll give just a, an overview of some of the things. So you can see in this um, thread, in its companion thread in the old forums, is that um, I didn't know I had access to it um, quite yet. I didn't see them yet. So far, um, this only applies to brand new detail pages, not detail pages that were already created before Circa last Thursday. Um, it applies to existing interfaces, meaning if you already were working on an interface and you create a new detail page in that existing interface, it still affects you. I think that the general preference would have been 
only affecting brand new interfaces and their detailed pages, but that's not the case. Two, um, all detail, all new detail pages, both size sheet and full screen are section based. And when you create a brand new detail page, 10 fields are added into a section, but the section is hidden. And so if you scroll back up a little bit, um, what's confusing a lot of people is that the default layout for a section is column when people want row most of the time. And row is still not perfect for a couple of different reasons, which I'll get into later, but you actually don't see the option to change it into row unless you create another section. And then the 10 fields that were there by default are gonna be labeled as section one. You then click section one, change it from column to row. I say that because like I pointed out before and like everyone is still confused. So that is very clearly a thing that Airtable needs to adjust. Um, it has, in my opinion, several benefits and several, um, you know, things that need to be adjusted. The things that I think personally that need to be adjusted seem like things that can be fixed relatively easily. I put that in quotes because I'm not an Airtable engineer, but I, as a software developer, I can see how I would solve the problem based on the infrastructure that they have in place. So I'll give my full sort of overview of what's changed. Some good, some bad, some of the bad is very bad. Some of the good is, you know, well, it's nice. So we'll get into that. A lot of people are upset for various reasons. So this is a, you know, probably the big one of the month, if, if you will. Every so often we get a, a change in Airtable that is, uh, you know, it's contempt all around. <laughs> it's the tornado of the month. Yeah. 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 And if you want, they do have a, a support document. I don't, did they announce this? I didn't actually see an official announcement of it. I did not see an announcement. Sometimes, ooh, this is weird. Uh, sometimes what happens is Airtable will drop some sort of, um, major update without much warning and then like a week or two they'll have like an ama or something that will give mm -hmm. a deep dive into it once people have time to sort of play around with it themselves and then come somewhat informed with questions um i think it's sort of general sentiment that we would prefer hey in july we're gonna <laughs> do a major update to detail pages if you were working on creating uh interfaces Half of them are going to look old and half of them are going to look new. That would have been nice to know ahead of time. That's, that's one of the complaints people have that's not really specific to this update. It's sort of a pattern on your table's behalf. Yeah. So shout out to Sleepy Joe on the Airtable forums, air.tableforums.com. Uh, this is the first where I, I saw it published. Maybe, maybe there's an earlier one out there. I saw Ben Bailey on our built on air Slack community. He posted a smaller screenshot showing the difference between column and row um, as toggle settings, which is why this screenshot confused me because I was like, I thought you could put it in a row. You can, it's mm -hmm. just, you don't see that option until you create your second section, which to gotcha. me is flawed user experience design. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right, we'll get we'll get more into detail on this. So, if you're if you're concerned about this, Camille's gonna gonna help put you a little at ease of of what you can do with these new changes. I don't know if I will. I'll you know, <laughs> I'll help, but you might still be mad. It depends yeah, on what what you personally prioritize. 
<laughs> Dan, do you think there should be a new segment every week called the tornado of the month? The tornado of the month. Sometimes it's not every month. Sometimes it is, you know, every two or three months. But then it's like, we've changed the pricing structure, <laughs> which is like massive. Right, yeah. right. Enough. Yeah. Well, speaking of tornadoes and changes, another uh, undocumented one. So I linked to the original thread that was back in April, I believe, when they when they announced the the new home screen back in March, actually, I guess maybe even before then. Um, and everybody's saying, I want to switch back to the old home screen. Well, last week, you likely got an email saying that 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 now everybody is forced into the new home screen. And uh, yeah, not a lot of happy people. A few happy people. Camille's one of the happy ones. Scott's one of the less I'm happy I'm neutral. Ones. My uh, my boss here, she doesn't like the new homepage either, but I'm, I just don't, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on the old homepage and I don't spend a whole lot of time on the new homepage. It just does not affect me all that often, but it is a, another fairly unpopular air change. I find it terrible in so many ways. I, there's, it's, it's such a strange user experience. Like some pages have different options. Like if you're looking at your workspace list versus your entire list, the ways to sort them are completely different. Which makes no yep. sense to me. The, I had an experience the other day where I went to go duplicate a base from the home screen and it just disappeared. It was just gone. I had to like search for it to find it. Whoa. Like it, it just, it doesn't, I, I hate it. I, I feel awful saying that, but I really, really, really strongly. Well, you don't have to, you don't have to feel awful about it. There's plenty of people who don't like it. Sure. I just happen to be the only one who doesn't care. I would agree. I hate it. I, I, I would say this is maybe the, one of the top things I hate about what they've done. It was, it was an experience that worked so incredibly well before. I've never heard anybody complain about the old home screen. And one of the key things is that you can move things around in the old home screen where you wanted them. So you could figure out your own priority for what, you know, your you know, it's like when you you sit down at your Mac, you know, and like your icons in the dock are at the bottom of your screen. They're aligned in the order that you want because it makes sense to you. Now the new home screen, you can only sort it by like recently used. Like just because I went into an app, I mean, into a base once, it doesn't actually mean that that's now my most important base that I need at the top at all times. Right. Um, and I know that they say that, oh, you can work around that now by starring different bases and now they'll show up in your favorites list in the side but that favorites list is at the bottom of the all the rest <laughs> of the lists so it doesn't actually resort anything you, you still have to click another time to get to that list it just doesn't it's mind-boggling it's so confusing you're always lost and like i know that camille says she wasn't she doesn't spend too much time on the home screen the problem is like for someone like me i'm always on the home screen because i'm working with so many clients and i'm always bouncing between different workspaces and now it's a complete, I'm always lost. I'm always lost. Yep. Yeah. I, I well, think... this was the tornado from March. Yeah. <laughs> this is the uh, aftershock. Yeah. I had been on the, I had switched back to the old one for so long that I kind of hadn't spent any time exploring the new one. And now I'm forced to, and I'm just endlessly frustrated. Yeah. I was on the old home screen until, what was it like? five days ago when they forced us yeah, sometime last week, I think. Yeah. 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 It's disappointing. 
it's I think it does come back to the patterns and the habits that Camille was talking about. It's like it feels like they're not really listening to feedback, which is sort of the ongoing complaint <laughs> for years. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll in my breakdown of the new detail pages, I'll I'll point out where it feels where it's evident that they've listened to something and it feels evident that they've kind of missed the mark on perhaps what we were saying. Because <laughs> it's you can see bits of both, but that's for that's for later. Yeah. Yeah, this is interesting just looking at the the feedback, you know. This isn't just the the regular people voicing their disdain for for updates, but like this Alexander never has submitted complaints until until this change. Yeah. And the other terrible thing is the inter, inter, the separation between interfaces and bases is super confusing. It, they they look exactly the same. It does say interface or base in very small lettering underneath it, but I have clients that are completely confused now because they see them in the same list and they're like, which one is what yeah. I created? And it's right. just, it's if you don't know what you're looking at, it makes it even more confusing. Yeah. yeah. You can filter by base or interface or both, but I mean, most, I don't, I wouldn't want to say most people. I think a lot of people tend to name um, their main interface, the same thing they named their base, yeah. and that's confusing. Um, yeah. I feel like they should be visually distinct in some way. Separate yeah. them with a line or something. I don't know. It, yeah. There's some things you could do to make that division more clear. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully the pushback uh, enforces some changes. And See, this and, is... Uh, yeah, see, Dan, it's exactly what you said about the pushback. This is what frustrates me the most about working with Airtable is that this is such a pattern. They roll something out, and based on the amount of pushback, then they finally do something about it. But it, like, it almost feels like it has to reach a certain threshold of complaints. Like once they get 120 complaints on the forum about it, then they make a change. It's like it's very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like Brittany's comment there. That's really uh, vicious, and and I agree with it. <laughs> I agree with everything she says there. Yeah, it's the worst UI update I think I've ever seen from any product or service. So I've, your... I've I've seen worse. <laughs> I love what she says here. Uh, whoever designed this and whoever approved it should no longer be in their current roles because they're clearly awful at their jobs. Scott. <laughs> What's that? Is, is this, is this a new account of yours? Yeah, this is your ghost account. <laughs> <laughs> this is my ghost account. It's if you rearrange the letters in Brittany Felix, face <laughs> 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 Rose. Rearrange it. It's it's a it's an anagram. Just rearrange it, yeah. Scott Rose. It says I've been using Airtable since 2016, I think, and this has me seriously considering moving everything to a different platform. That's that's an anchor there. Yeah, I, I don't want to put words in, in Brittany's mouth. I think it might be more so the the lack of like communication for this launch and like, again, the pattern of behavior. I, I, I don't know if it's like literally the new design of the homepage and more so like a pattern or what they see as a pattern in terms of like they're making decisions, generally speaking, that, you know, many people feel are poor UI or poor user experience design. This is probably the straw that broke the camel's back, I think, in this instance. Yeah. I mean, you know, give, just give us the ability to drag and drop them like we used to. And I think that'll take us 50% of yeah. the way. 
to fix there's it. Al- there's always a happy medium for, you know, moving from some previous UI to some new UI. There's going to be things people liked about the old way and things they didn't like about the old way. And not necessarily every update is going to be like better in all regards. There's always something that you, you don't have to necessarily throw everything away, I think is probably the point for both the homepage and for the new um, interface detail pages. Yeah. Yeah, very good. All right, let's move on. One more, one more uh, frustration from changes. Another undocumented change. I wasn't aware of this till a friend of the show, Kavan, uh, pointed this out. Um, Apparently, they changed the URL format for shared uh, links. Oh, wow. That's huge. Yeah. um, If the share URL of your form. So I guess they used to have the app ID as part of the share. Um, no, 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 it's now, the other way around. Oh, the way around. It, it didn't have the app ID, and now um, it does include it. And what Kavan is saying is to use, she has an app in the marketplace that um, uh, pre fills like form, um, form fields uh, with whatever you wanted. It's a very intuitive uh, extension that we all certainly recommend people use, completely free. Everyone should use it. Um, that sort of relies on pre-filling a specific pattern of URL that she was expecting, which is how shared links have been for some number of years. And then they have quietly changed how share links look. Now, old share links without the base ID still work at this time. But in order to use her extension, you do have to take that um, app ID out until or if the extension is updated to work either way. Um, So that's what she's sort of announcing here. And like, personally, I'm more mad about this update than the previous two we discussed Mm -hmm. for very specific reasons. But, you know, I will leave that for another day. (laughs) We can't have too many tornadoes at once. This is Tornado Alley. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Uh. Okay. So it looks like um, so her so her extension had the app ID in it, and so if you Mm-mm. or it didn't, it didn't. So um, what happens now when you get a shared link? You would um, she's basically asking you to take that out when you paste it into her app. Um, I believe she oh, might gotcha. be working on updating it so that it, you know, expects it now because that's the new format. However, until that change is like approved by Airtable for it to sort of go live in the marketplace, if you will, um, it's sort of a manual thing that users are going to have to do, which is okay. somewhat okay. inconvenient. So if you go to create a new, if you create a form, okay, yeah, I see. So if you go to a new form view or just to a form view and then click on the share form button, that link that it gives you now automatically contains the base ID slash app ID. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting. Is that for forms or for sharing a, a base? Or... Probably for everything. I, yeah, I believe it's both. I could be wrong, but it. it it stands to reason that it w- would be both. It should be either both or neither, yeah. having two different methodologies. So now form URLs are a lot longer with the app ID in them. Yeah. 
And so does this break all old shearlings that people have sent out? No, they, they still work. Um, we don't know if they're always going to work, but at this time, they still work. I see. But they're, but the one that they're giving you, and they did something similar with just the main structure of like bases. They, they adjusted that, but the old formats still work. Mm -hmm. Um, so interesting. So I think they're, yeah, maybe you could just kind of standardizing that. This, you know, this is kind of interesting because this is almost the opposite of what somebody in the Slack community found out, which is that when you make calls through the API for a record ID, you, you actually don't even need the app ID anymore <laughs> or, or yeah. you never needed it at all, but it's always good practice to have it in there though. Right, you right. you do need the base ID. You don't need the table ID when querying oh. for a specific record. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Oh, okay, so that's not really an. It's, it's well, it's a similar concept in that, like, while it is preferential that you include as much information as you can to be specific. Previously, you didn't need the base ID for the share ID because it knows. Now you still don't need it, but it is included. Um, so they are to Dan's point. I believe they're just standardizing it, like. Give yeah. me all the information that there is about this thing, even if I only need one piece of it. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense to be as specific as possible. A good best practice. Yeah. Very good. Last one uh, from the Built on Air community. An interesting discussion from Hannah. What do you perceive to be the best way to set up users in a base? Add a user field teach table or add a user's table? with the user field that then uses a linked record and look up for every other table. What's your go-to? The latter, for sure. The latter for me too. There's yeah. so many more advantages to doing that. Um, there, there are, I have a build right now that uses a combination where, you know, think, you, think of having like a project and then uh, another table that's like, set of tasks and then a table below that that's tasks at the task level those are assigned to the people record but all previous levels up are just using the user field just copying it down because i don't need that level of detail at the higher levels it's just easier from like an automation and data data point uh perspective because it's like less mutable at those stages um but where it matters yeah i think most people tend to gravitate towards having a user's table because you don't just want someone's name and email a lot of times. You also want to know what role they are in, what department are they in, who's their manager, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That allows you to have, especially if you're using, you know, a third party app like Softer or Stacker, then that user's table comes in really handy for internal tools um, mm -hmm. and external, I suppose. Um, yeah. Definitely. Now this will be um, now Airtable might have a different answer because they probably want you using the user table because that would inherently encourage more users signing in. Although you can't have non-paying um, users in those fields or non non-account users, right? <clears throat> you can have just a just an email, but obviously that will drive more. Now what I want to know is now. When is the uh, verified data going to come out? Because this would be a very common use case for the verified data of having a user uh, table that, that can get shared across spaces. 
you know, they say it's available now, but I have yet to be able to access it. Uh, I can access it, but only in my enterprise environment. So I don't know if it's like limited to a specific either. I don't know if it's a closed beta available or it's like available, available. But we have yeah. kind of sets that we use. Yeah. The support yeah, page says it's available, but I don't see it as something yeah. that's available. Do you have access to an admin panel? I, I do. Know. Yeah, actually. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my troubleshooting ends. <laughs> it could be, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. could be that. Well, yeah. we should definitely. I feel like that should be, yeah, be getting rolled out here soon. It's been, it was announced a few months ago. <laughs> all right, that concludes um, the round the bases and, and uh, all the tornadoes that came through this week. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, fresh on your toes. So let's move on to OntoAir. OntoAir.com is a toolkit to run your business on Airtable. If your business relies on Airtable, then you should check out OntoAir. Uh, we're continuing our highlights on celebrating Backup Awareness Month from last month. We're celebrating it in July since we were off last month. But as part of Backup Awareness, a uh, spotlight on one of our customers, LKF Marketing, and how they use backups uh, for their bases to ensure their clients' data is safe. So really good case study and how they use um, backups and the benefits that they get from using OntoAir backups. So celebrate with us, Backup Awareness Month. Make sure you're backing up your data and check out OntoAir.com slash backups for how that can help in your business. Okay, let's move on. Scott is going to share your screen with us and we're gonna be talking about CSV importing and exporting and using make.com for that. Great. Ready? Yes. Share my screen here. All right. Okay, you're on. All right, awesome. So one thing that I noticed has come up actually uh, a couple of times in the last month in uh, uh, the variety of Airtable uh, forums that are out there is people have been have been requesting ways to automatically automatically get CSV files into and out of Airtable and. We know that you can manually download a CSV file uh, from any view. You could just go here and go to download CSV. And you can also manually import CSV files through a variety of different ways. Uh, one of my favorite ways, because it's the most powerful way to do it in Airtable, is to use the uh, CSV extension that Airtable built. Uh, it lets you merge data as you're importing it. Um, here it is right here, the CSV import extension. Uh, and it lets you do a whole bunch of cool things. But both of those ways are manual. And a lot of people have been asking for an automated way to get CSV files into and out of Airtable. And so my favorite go-to for all sorts of complex things is using make.com. And I wanted to show how absolutely simple it is to set up automated imports and exports uh, with Airtable using make.com. And one of the reasons that it's so simple using make.com is because if I go to make.com here and I go to their list of apps and services, 
they actually have a whole bunch of modules and um and they're they're kind of hard to find because because they're not actually in any sort of a category here on the left but there's a whole bunch of modules that make.com has created that do all sorts of things and one of the things that they created themselves is their own custom csv uh modules by the way um there's a bunch of other cool ones as well that they've created like they have their they've built in their own currency converter if you type the word currency they've done their own phone number can uh formatting app and it's kind of hard to know all these little things because you know you got to search for these generic words they're, they're not actually apps on the web they're just apps that make create it so anyways i'm going to show you how absolutely simple it is to use uh makes csv uh functionality so basically I created this uh, table here. Let's pretend that we have uh, an event coming up and we're keeping track of people who are coming to the event, both attendees and vendors. So vendors pay money for booths that they're going to be uh, selling their products at. And then attendees will be, uh, will be paying a, a cost to attend the conference. And what I have here is a CSV file of contacts. And now the reason, by the way, that you might have a CSV file for this is because a lot of people have other systems and they're not able, maybe these other systems don't have an API, so you can't actually communicate in real time with Airtable. Or maybe, you know, they're dealing with other organizations where they don't have access to that organization's app, and but that other organization is doing like a daily export for them in CSV format. So there's a whole bunch of reasons that people might be dealing with CSV files on a regular basis. So in this example, we're sort of assuming that there was some external system and once a day, let's say, this the external system creates a CSV file for them of their new contacts or maybe even updated contacts. So this is what the CSV file would look like. Uh, we've got the contact name, the company, the contact type. And then for the purposes of this demo, I'm going to assume that every contact has a unique ID number. So you could see the unique ID numbers right here. But if you don't have a unique ID number, you know, you could find something else to use as a unique identifier for the person, like their email address, possibly their full name, although that can be a little, little risky. That might not always be uh, completely unique, depending how many people you're working with. Um, so in this example, we're just going to use this contact ID column as a unique identifier. And then it's super simple to set up. So this is a CSV file uh, and I've got it right here, contacts.csv. And then all you need to do when you're setting up a scenario in make is you just need to have some sort of a watch folder, uh, in a cloud drive somewhere. So like Google drive box.com Dropbox. There's probably other ones I'm not thinking of. In this example, we're going to go into my Google Drive here. And I've created a folder here called Drop CSV Files here. And so what you would do is, so I've already got the file dropped in there, but I'm just going to delete this uh, so we can start from scratch. And what you can do is you can have your, um, you know, your staff, or if you have some external app that can dump CSV files into here, Whatever way you want to get the file into here, you just drag and drop your CSV file right into your watch folder. And then in make, this is the scenario 
that I've set up. It's called import CSV files into Airtable. And basically, it's you could see how simple this is. It's only five steps here. And you could even technically even make it fewer steps if you're only going to be creating new records. But in this particular example, we're also going to merge data with existing records as well. So basically, uh, you basically just set up a Google Drive module here to watch files in a folder. And this is going to be watching my drop CSV files here folder. And this one operates on a schedule. So I've got this set to run every day at 9 o'clock a.m. So it'll look for, you know, the daily CSV file. And then when it finds that file, it will download the file. And then here's where the first part of the magic comes in. You use makes um, parse CSV file. Uh, I'm sorry, parse CSV module. And the only catch is, is that it's expecting a certain number of columns. And those columns always have to be in the same order. So it isn't like it... It isn't like it reads your CSV file live and figures out the names of all your columns. You actually always have to have a standard CSV file with the same number of columns uh, and in the same order in order to make this work. And so what it'll do, so I've said that there's nine columns in this CSV file. And down here, you take the data, which is a binary file. Uh, you know, it's a binary raw data file. And you actually have to use makes function that's called to string. And what that will do is that will change it from binary, uh, which is unreadable. You know, it's not human readable. Uh, and it'll take it from that and change it into actual text that is readable. So that's really the trick right here is you have to convert it into a string of text. But once you do that, then it's very easy because then you're dealing with just records, just text in make. And what you could do if you were only creating new records, you could simply just add a create a record module as the last module here. But I went one step further and I wanted to show off that make has this upsert function. So what I do in this is I search using an Airtable formula. I search for each contact ID to see if that person already exists in Airtable. If that person already exists in Airtable, and again, you could search by an email address or whatever unique identifier that you'd like. If that person exists in Airtable, we move on to the upsert function. This function, this module here does two things. Number one, if that person exists, so if the result of the search actually finds that person, it will simply update that person's information with any new information that was in the CSV file. But if the person doesn't exist, it will actually create them as a brand new record in Airtable. So that is what is so cool um, about using make for this, because this one module will either create a new record or it'll update an existing record. And so if we go back to our Airtable table here, you'll see that I've got these 29 contacts here. And I am going to run this scenario right now. And we actually have the same 29 contacts in, the, in uh, that CSV file. So right now, it's running the scenario. It's looping through all 29 contacts. It's looking for any changes to the fields. And it'll update them. And it finished. It got all 29. And if we come back into Airtable, you'll see that we still have the same 29 records. 
So it didn't add any new records. It only updated information that might have been different in here. So that's how you would do that with an import. Are there any questions about the imports? No, that's great. If the okay. data is the same, it won't it, it won't even show a record uh, update, right? Like you won't even see a modification. That is a great question. And let's check. And you are correct. Look at that. So this uh, was last updated one hour ago. So if there's no fields that need updating, it won't even overwrite it. So you, it won't even get a new updated date. Right. Which is really nice, actually. But if you want it, like sometimes it's useful to put like a timestamp of the last time it was synced. You could you could do that from make, right? You could just timestamp a field. Oh yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Let's do that. Should we do that real quick and check it out? Yeah. Let's see. So let's say um, so I think in this case we'd probably have to do our own date field. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's do that. I'll create a date field here. And let's go into make here. And now I'm going to go in here. And did it bring up the new one? Oh, yeah, I already brought it up. Sometimes if it doesn't bring up your new fields, you sometimes have to hit the refresh button up at the top. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to insert a date. I'm going to. So basically, another cool thing about make is you've got all these different functions across the top here. And so I'm going to go into their date functions. I'm going to put in now. And then I'm going to format this the way that I'd like to format it. So I'm going to do the format date function. I'm actually going to put now right here. And then all you need to do is tell it um, how you want it formatted. And so I'll do, we'll do M slash DD slash YYYY. So that, and you probably actually want the time too. So we'll do H colon MMA. This is all documented. I think it's actually identical to Airtable's date formatting as well. Um, and so that looks pretty good. The only thing we need to do is go into Airtable and show the time as well. So I'm going to include the time here. I'm not going to get in the whole time zone thing. That can get a little tricky. So we'll skip that for right now. Um, so I'll just use the same time zone right now. And we'll do date and time. And it's probably going to come in in my time zone, actually. So let me just do New York time zone. Okay, cool. So now, because we're actually telling it to put something in every time, it is probably going to update all the records. So let's check and see how this works. So we're going to run this. Oops. And to trigger it, it knows that it already processed the CSV file. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in a new CSV file here. We're going to keep both files here. And so here's our new one. And now it's going to find the new one. So we're going to run this. And now it's going through all 29. And let's see if it does what we think it's going to do. So we'll wait till it's done. With Wish. All <laughs> Airtable Automations needs that little pop-up to be able to insert in now. Oh, yes. I know. Yeah, if you're using Airtable's automations, you have to create your own formula field that equals now and then reference that formula field. Yeah, or and do a, um, or a script step I usually use instead, mm -hmm. which is to timestamp. Because yeah. now is a very expensive formula. Just mm -hmm. FYI, yeah. it will slow down yeah. your base a lot. 
Scott, there's a question from No Code Tour. Is that expensive in terms of runs? Um, oh yeah, not oh to do this, not very expensive. Um, you can see that each one of this shows you how many runs you've used up. So this is one run, one run, one run, and then here it's 29 plus 29. So so up till here, it's just one run each. It's only when it's processing each row of your CSV file when you start getting into uh, higher numbers of runs. But make, one of the top 10 reasons that I love make so much is that their pricing is so reasonable that even on their free plan, you get a thousand runs, a thousand operations, they call it, per month. So, you know, and then if you go up to $9 a month, you get 10,000 operations in a month. This is so much cheaper than, you know, Zapier, which is their main competitor. So, um, so really, really affordable. Thank you for telling me there was a question, by the way. And so you can see here that now we have the date and time that it was last synced. So you could even like, you know, change the name of this to like last sync time or whatever you want to call it, basically. Very cool. And so now I'll show you the reverse. So the reverse is, let's say that at the end of the night, you know, like once a day, um, you just want to export your CSV, your CSV file out of Airtable so other people can use it um, or other people can have it as a reference or, you know, you send it to that external organization. Well, what's really cool is there's a bunch of different ways to set this up. But one of the easiest and simplest ways to do this is you can just create your own view. So I just call this the nightly 6 p.m. export. And what you can do is you can just filter this view any way you want. And Make will actually pull in all the records from that view. Now, of course, they're doing it using Airtable's API. Airtable's API is what provides this functionality. Um, and so, for example, let's say I just want to see vendors. That's the only thing we need to export every day at 6 p.m. All you have to do is make sure that this view is set properly. And if you don't want people to change it, you know, you could always go in here and just lock the view. And then going back in that's so it's <laughs> it's a hundred percent foolproof to lock the view. <laughs> yeah, no, anyone can unlock it. So be careful with that as well. So then I'm just going to save our changes here. I'm going to go back out to our other scenario here, export CSV files from Airtable. And what we have here is every night at 6 p.m., I've got this searching for records. Now, the real foolproof way to do this would be to create a formula here. This is an Airtable formula. So unless somebody's going to be able to get into your make account, they're not going to be able to change you know, what you're searching for in Airtable. So this is the real foolproof way right here. But the easy way is in, you just leave formula blank and you say, hey, just pull in the, all the records from this particular view. This will give you a list of all your views here. I don't Oh, I guess it's thinking right now. There we go. So we have the grid view, uh, no view at all, and nightly 6 p.m. export. So that's the easier way to set it up if you don't want to worry about creating formulas here. So then it's you can see how simple the scenario is. You actually have two different options in Make. You have a create CSV option, and you also have a create CSV advanced option. And there is one key difference between these. The normal create CSV option um, is much easier to set up. Um, all you do is 
I'll actually show you what it looks like. Uh, all you do is just check off the fields that you want. So I say, oh, okay, I only need to export the company name, the phone number, the email, and the website. I don't need any of this other information. So it's much, much easier to set up. The only problem is you can't control what order the columns are going to show up in your CSV file. I think it exports the columns in order of uh, field ID in Airtable. I think it alphabetizes them by field ID. I'm not 100% sure. I, I can't really figure out what order it puts the columns in. Um, so that's the only downside. So the upside is super easy to use, but uh, you can't control the column order. Um, and But so the more advanced way of doing it is to use their Create CSV Advanced module. Now, what's cool about this is you get to specify your own data structure. And that's actually done from another screen here. I won't go into that too much. Uh, you just set up all your fields and you say whether they're text or number. And um, there's actually some other choices too, like Boolean and stuff like that. And, and then it lets you actually map them in the order. So you create the data structure in the order that you want. And then all you do is just map in your Airtable fields here. So this just takes a few minutes to set up, but what it'll do is every night at 6 p.m., it'll search for the records that you want, it'll create the CSV file, and then the final step is you just upload that file to your cloud drive. And what I like to do is it asks you, what is the file name of your upload? And I always like to append the file name with the, with the timestamp. So you know when that file was created and it doesn't overwrite any old files if it has the exact same name. So let's just run that real quick. We have here, we have eight people here on this view. And what we are going to do is we're going to go into my drive. We're going to go to this other folder I've created called retrieve CSV files here. And now, and you'll see here, I told it to upload to that folder. So now we're going to run this and we'll see what happens. So it's creating the file. In this case, by the way, it only takes one operation to create the CSV file, no matter how many rows you have. So even if you're exporting like a thousand records, it's only gonna take up one operation in Make, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. And so now we're gonna go into my Google Drive and here's the file, I called it CSV file. And here's the timestamp, July 18th, 2023, 11.45 AM, which is my local time. And then if I open this up here, here we go. Um, it's a little bit small. I can't get to the plus sign. We can see it. We, we can ah, see okay, it. you can see it. There we go. Uh, thank you. And here you go. This is in the exact order that I want the CSV file to be in. And we only have eight records. It says nine rows because the first row is the are the field headers. And that's it. And so now you have a nightly uh, dumping of the CSV files that you want. And that is it. That's it's, it's, it, it doesn't get much simpler than that, but there's a lot of little nuances and a bunch of little advanced things that you can do to make it, uh, to make it really cool. Awesome. That's great. Thank you, Scott, for sharing that. Thank Very you. Useful. Comes in handy. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Camille, we might, um, Scott, we might save your segment for a future show, just depending on how long we go here, but oh, sure. going to share us on interfaces and detail pages. Okay, so um, just a high level overview, 
there's a lot going on. Just want to point out, um, giving, uh, giving you a precursor. In the old design system, you were able to do things like this. Just keep this screenshot in mind. Um, and then in this thread, there's a lot of frustrations from a lot of different people. And I've included a fairly substantial breakdown of everything that I've noticed. So if I don't mention something here, I've probably already mentioned it in this particular thread, including a lot of detailed screenshots. Um, so just so you know, I think I've, I've covered everything that I could possibly cover. Um, I'm going to go in to the interface that I used as an example for what um, the new detail pages look like. So this is one of them. Uh, I'm going to try and cover all of the high points really quickly. One, um, titles for detail pages are now formula, uh, formalized, meaning you pick a field in the table that marks it as the name of the um, name of the uh, detail page that you're on, and the title has an area where you can have buttons next to it. Similarly, there are sections that can be applied to a detail page. And for here, I'll go into edit mode so that we can see what those look like. Um, as you kind of hover, you can see um, the difference between two different sections that are stacked on top of each other. Something that um, confuses a lot of people is that the default for sections is column. Most people probably want rows um, unless there's specific things, but it seems like most people want to put things next to each other. You do that with the row um, option. Um, titles um, and descriptions are available for each section. For each section, you can turn those off independently of each other. When you turn them back on, they don't get deleted, which is nice. Um, you can also have action buttons applied to an individual section. They will always go next to the title. You can't place them next to fields. That's a major criticism for many people. Um, all of the buttons are basically the same. There's no change to what buttons do. It's just changing where they can go. Okay. Um, for um, I'm going to sprinkle in things that I think are positives and things that I think are negative um, as I go. A uh, major positive for me is I can do this now. I don't. I can't tell you how frustrating it was with the old design system of laying things out in a row and then deciding, oh, I need a whole other row, and then your client saying, I want this row to go above the other one. You had to move <laughs> each individual field one by one. I've wasted hours of my life doing that. It was a yep. bad, it was yeah. terrible before. <laughs> and now I can just do that. I think that's amazing. <laughs> now for some negatives. A lot of, like, like I said, a lot of people want to be able to place an action button anywhere. Similarly, um, this, the free text element has sort of been replaced with section descriptions. A lot of people had um, layouts where they put descriptions next to the fields that are relevant. So for some reason, when you include fields, you can include the name of the field. You can rename the, uh, rename the field as it's presented here. But you can't include the field's description. Feels like you should be able to do that. And a lot of people circumvented that with text elements and only having them as section descriptions. Many people find that to be insufficient. Um, 
I'm going to switch this to SciSheet really quickly to sort of demonstrate the difference um, for rows. When you have it in the SciSheet um, orientation, the maximum number of fields you can have next to each other is three. In full screen, the maximum is four. This is very consistent. I understand why it's done that. It's clean. If I do that, you can see that things are perfectly responsive. I suspect that's why they made a lot of these changes because they want them to be visible clearly on mobile. So that's prepped and nice. However, a lot of people, myself included, really want finer control over what the columns are. Um, sometimes I want only two columns. I don't have that choice anymore. It's either three or four, depending on if it's side sheet or full screen. In my latest batch of screenshots, I sort of point out that under the hood, sections are built using CSS grid, meaning you could add under the hood um, CSS properties, grid column and grid row spans. Um, it takes, I think, a cumulative total of like 40 characters in CSS to solve a lot of these problems to have, you know, a long text field, which typically takes up a lot of space, giving us the ability to make this span two columns or span two rows or however many that we decide. Simple change that I want there pretty quickly. Um, something that might be confusing to people, um, I am going to, I'm going to get rid of um, my assign or uh, linked record field and show you the process that you go through in order to show a grid, ca uh, calendar, etc. Mm -hmm. So you can't just drag um, uh, a linked record field into its own new section like that. What you have to do is you have to drag it into either a section that already exists or a new section on the sidebar, which is not great um, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a linked record field show as the pills or the cards or any of these sort of standard views as before. Um, if I go back to here, um, when you have it in any of these orientations, grid, calendar, etc., they become their own section that's like it's it's outside of any of these other field sections you can't put a grid next to my like my member count for instance um that there's there's good things and bad things about that one of my problems with these sort of sections is you have no control over how tall a grid or a list view are i think list um is automatically the height of your list Grid is this arbitrary height that you can't change. Um, gallery, you can change by showing how many different rows there are on the page. I think that's fine. But for, for whatever reason, you have no control over how tall a grid is. I think that's bad. Yep. Um, for these linked record sections, you can have a title. Um, you would rename it how you would rename everything else. But you can't have a description. That's also bad. They should be, they should be consistent. Something that is very good is that in the um, newer full page um, interface pages that we've had for some time now, um, they came with a couple of different options, including allowing end users to switch how um, the same data is visualized. Timeline doesn't make sense for this. So um, 
your end user will now be able to change how things are presented. It also includes end user um, filters like uh, drop downs and things like that. All of those got carried over. You can allow people to search, etc. You can also they've fixed. You can now add new records to a linked record. Uh, field directly within an interface without having a button that triggers an automation in order to do so. That was the craziest limitation that interfaces had is now fixed. <laughs> you can also link and unlink records. Um, that was a an, another major limitation because think of things, uh, instances where like a line item for an invoice, right? You, it, it, I actually have an example for this over here. So. Um, like this person ordered one of these, uh, of this item. If I want to get rid of this, I don't necessarily want to unlink it. I want to delete it because no one else should have that line item. It's specific to this order. However, um, in this case, I might not want to delete this person. I might just want to unlink them from this, uh, campaign. I now have the option to do those. Those are two separate options, um, that you can toggle. Nice. Um, in addition to allowing you to edit things inline. So I think, yeah, turning on inline editing allows you to delete, whereas that separate option allows you to unlink. You can add using any of the forms. You can also separately toggle whether you can add someone who's existing or only adding new. That's a nice. good distinction to make. This is why I say there's a lot to like and a lot to dislike. So again, I point out a lot of this stuff in um, my my thread because it, there's simply a lot to go over. Um, a problem I have noticed that I don't think anyone else has noticed, which frustrates me to no end. For some reason, um, in the new detail pages, if you add a list view, there's no place to add hierarchies. And that's the entire point of a list view. <laughs> so I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, I think that's a major limitation that no one else has noticed. Some other limitations, uh, you can't put a chart on a, a detail page anymore. I think that's major. To me, it makes sense to add chart as a type of visualization from uh, for linked records, because they yeah. were always they were always taking in multiple records. It makes sense for it to go there. Um, it's not there yet. Um, I hope they add that very soon. Otherwise, I can't use these for the project I would want to use them for. Um, you can't add arbitrary um, dividers anymore. They get added automatically in between sections. Um, that I don't necessarily mind. I do wish we had a toggle for whether or not I want this line to be there and maybe another toggle for how much space to put in between sections. But that's kind of minor stuff. Um, really quickly, I'm going to show how comments look. Um, comments, if you're on full screen, um, take up this sort of right-hand sidebar. I think that's a logical place to put them. I do wish this were collapsible, much like all of like the view sidebar things, the interface um, navigation sidebar. I've I want things typically to be collapsible. Um, and if you're in the side sheet, orientation comments appear at the bottom. Like this really quick. They appear down here and they kind of expand up and then you can close them down. That's nice. I like that. Um, you can't do that on full screen. I think you should 
they should make it so that you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to miss anything major because I know we're running up on time, but those are like the like major, major, major um, changes. I'm going to really, really, really quickly see if I can explain. Uh, I'm about to be kicked out of my conference room as well, so that's fun. <laughs> um, what do I want to do? I want to create a new layout. So when you first create a new detail page, this is what it looks like, um, where it's using the column format for your section. Um, this is what I, I mentioned earlier, that here are your fields. They are in a section, but you have no way of changing it from column to row. And that's why so many people are confused. Mm. If you create a new section, this sort of reveals itself as the section it is. And then you click section one to options and change that to row. That's what people are missing because it is very unobvious. So yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> and then again, <laughs> A lot of my thoughts are sort of pointed out in this thread. Um, you are welcome to disagree, but I feel like I want people to get in here and use it because there's a chance they've solved something that has been a frustration for you. And there's a chance they've introduced something that wasn't a frustration for you and they've added one. For me, it was a mix of both. Some of the changes I really like and some of them annoy me. So. Camille, two questions. One, yes. if, you, if you delete that section two there, it's still, it, mm-hmm. the column one will, rem, section one will remain. Yes, way. so, yes. So um, you could click directly on a section and hit delete, that's nice. Um, this is still here. Oh no, I feel like yesterday when I tried this section one kind of remained where it is. It, it's still there. Still there. But it's just not, mm. you know, this is that, Airtable, that's bad. <laughs> that's very confusing for people. Please fix that. Yeah. Um, because yeah. then your option, if you only wanted one section and you wanted to go back and change things, you would have to turn everything about that section off just so that you can mm. have these top. That's so weird. Like, why? <sighs> why? Yeah. Things I'm like that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that, Camille? I'm sorry. I was just saying it's things like that that make this what could have been an awesome update because, again, we're we're primed and ready for mobile-ready interfaces. We can now filter on a detailed page. You can allow end users to switch visualizations, but it's just it's just not there yet. So. It's a little polish. You know, I love a that. A little more polish. A little more polish. I love the that feature you showed earlier where you can now unlink or delete linked mm-hmm. records. But I yes. would love for the, they need to bring that to the grid view. Yes, I would agree. Um, it's, it's things like that where I mentioned earlier, sometimes it feels like they're really listening and sometimes it feels like they're really not. <laughs> to me, that sounds like they really were listening because I said Airtable yep. came to my office like a month ago. And one of the things I said is I need to be able to filter on a detail page and it's here now. Sometimes people really like the flexibility of the, the width of uh, fields, and that's gone. And that's the thing that people are, seem to be most frustrated about. Next, so, I'm about to be kicked out of my conference room, so I got I to gotta jet. Yeah, yeah. Those are my thoughts. It's all documented in that thread. <laughs> thank you, Camille. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Camille. Great. Very good. 
So we'll, uh, Scott, we'll get you on another show and we'll, we'll go through uh, the, the No Loco platform and get some more insights there. So just a quick shout out, we'll end with join our community. We'd love to have you if you're at all interested in Airtable learning or improving, becoming an expert, all levels are welcome. Join us at builtonair.com slash join. And that will get you into our Slack community and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you all for joining and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com. And we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast. <laughs>